Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. I'm going to go ahead and pray and then we can get started, okay? Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that the entrance of your word is light and life. God, I thank you for this opportunity to fellowship uh, with these mighty men and women of God. I thank you, Lord, that um, you've given us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that you've opened the eyes of our understanding so we know the hope and the plan of your calling on our lives and the riches of your glory, the inheritance of the saints. God, I thank you that uh, I step out of the way and you step in. Father, I thank you that the word does the work. So we honor you, we love you, uh, we praise your name in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So today, I would like to talk a little bit about resistance, um, something that we need. How many know we need resistance right now? Uh, with everything that's going on, you talk about uh even uh, that the, what happened in Uvalde, um, there's resistance in politics as far as should we have guns, should we not? You know, our right to this, our right to that. Divisions that the enemy is trying to place, uh, not only for non-believers but in the church as well. Um, also, uh, the Roe versus Wade thing. Um, everybody wants to know your stance, and I've actually seen. I was watching this the other day. It was the craziest thing. It was like uh, it was a newscaster. Who, it was like she broke character or something, and she just snapped. And she said, "You know what? I, I got to say something. I, I, I hate this religion thing. Why is it always about religion? I hate your stupid book, your stupid magical book, whatever that is. I hate." She just went off. I'm being pretty mild, but she went off. And here's the thing: there is an active opposition that's coming against us, whether you want to agree with it or not. It's there, and your resistance. Is a product. Is a, what I want to talk about today is how your resistance is a byproduct of your humility to God. It'll make sense later, but um, the reality of it is there there are people out there uh, that don't like us, uh, that don't want to believe, and the the best thing you can do for yourself is stay humble to God, remove yourself from offense, so that when people come up to you, you can see their heart. You don't hear the words that they're saying. There was uh, just, actually, this is kind of funny. This just happened today. Is he in here? Let's see. No, he's not. So I I, uh, I was coming to prayer uh, to unlock the door, you know, to come in and, and, and pray and uh, this evening. And I see a guy stepping from Dollar General. Uh, you know how we have those beautiful, that garden right there with all the, just step stomping on him, coming through like they didn't exist, right? So I'm like, like, he's just walking my way and I'm coming up and I'm like, here we go. Let's go. And so he looks at me and he goes, is this your church? And I was like, yeah, it is. I'm th thinking he approached me, all right? I'm about three feet away, and I could smell peppermint schnapps on his mouth. He's hammered. The guy was drunk. And he comes up to me, and he's like, is this your church? And I'm like, yeah, it is. And he's like, tell me what, tell me what you know about Jesus. So I was like, sweet. That was easy. So I just start talking to him. He's completely incoherent, right? He, his, there's no line of logic, rightfully so. But he says a lot of hurtful things, a few F-bombs, a whole bunch of things, right? But I was able to... I didn't hear any of that. I saw his heart. Well, I, I saw that he was drunk too, but I saw his heart and I thought, man, this, some, someone hurt this dude. There's something that happened. Someone misinterpreted uh, uh, God. Someone, something happened to him that he hasn't let go of. And I tried to talk to him, right? I said, hey man, uh, have you received Jesus? And he's, well, what does that mean? You know, dip, complete opposition, right? And then I'm like, okay, that's not working. Uh, have you, well, what do you know about God? What, what do you, and, and that, that didn't work either. Everything I tried, he, he flipped and it just didn't make sense. It was like talking to a three-year-old. Um, but 
then I said, well, we have service tonight. Uh, would you want to come? No, I don't want to come to your service, right? And it, it's funny. You're like, oh, you'd invite a drunk guy? I said, why not? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? God will sober him up pretty quick. But he didn't want that either. So uh, I tried that. I tried that. And then finally, I was like, can I pray for you, man? Can I? No, I, I don't want you to pray for me. Get away. You know. And yet, he kept breaking the conversation and then kept wanting to come back right? And I know in my heart, that was Jesus, man. He was getting another chance. He didn't know it. And it's because of my posture, because I wasn't upset or angry or, or, or pushing him away. I kept inviting him in. He finally just left. And I said, look, I, I, hey man, you didn't let me pray for you. You didn't want to talk about Jesus. I, I, I got to go in there and pray. Like I, I got to go. And uh, it was funny because I said, um, you know, blessings, right? We'll see. And, and I've never any, seen anyone actively just like rebuke a blessing, but he did a really good job of that. He was, he, he was like, man, I, I'll bless myself like and he left right but here's the deal i prayed for that guy when he was as soon as he turned around i prayed for him i said lord he has no idea what he's doing i here's the thing you either answer to jesus here or you answer to him when you die and they're two different they're two different guys all right and and my heart is it's god's heart right it's not his will that any should perish that all should come to repentance it should be all of our hearts that way. But here's the deal. If you're dealing with offense, with pride, with anger, with frustration, even with people in the church, you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to be a poor witness for God. There are people out there who actually need us, who are hungry for this stuff, man. Like you can tell them, oh, I pray in tongues. They're like, what's that? I want to do that. I mean, I've, that's happened to me multiple times. That's probably the first thing I tell people. We, you know, it seems kind of, well, you go straight to that. Why not? There may be that person that that's what I need. That's what I've been waiting for. Thank you for telling me about this. And then getting them filled with the Holy Ghost. So um, all, all, all that to circle back, I want to talk about resistance. Um, in order to understand resistance, give me one second. Let's get water. Um, in order to talk about resistance, we have to understand uh, the nature of our hearts. Um, and the first scripture I want to share with you guys is Hebrews 4.12. I'll give you a second. Hebrews 4.12. Familiar portion of scripture, right? For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of your soul and spirit. Okay. So everybody say, I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. We're familiar with spirit, soul, and body. You guys are here on a Wednesday night. As one minister said, you're either a fanatic or you drug, you were drug here by a fanatic. So I, I am, I'm going to assume that you guys understand this concept. So, um, the word of God pierces between your spirit and your soul, right? And by spirit, we're talking about God's spirit in us, correct? All right, and joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What this is saying is the word of God, which is the word made flesh, which is Jesus, right? Your relationship to this is your relationship to Jesus, period. So it's saying that the word of God, it, it, it cuts between our spirit and our soul, but it also pays attention to our hearts. Jesus does that. Um, I've got a graphic I want to show you guys. I show this to the youth. I, I ring this thing dead. They, they hate this thing, but I love it. It's something that really helps me understand. You got audible learners. You got visual learners. I'm an everything learner because it takes a lot to get to my small little brain through my thick skull. So uh, 
Praise God, he didn't, I'm not sharpest knife in the drawer, right? Isn't that the saying? I'm actually a spoon. Anyways, um, <laughs> spirit, soul, and body. So I want to go over this real quick. Um, we have our body, which is our flesh, right? For those of you that don't understand this concept, I remember when Mr. Roland actually explained this, I think the first year I came here, and I was in my seat just like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. He brought up some examples. It was awesome. But since then, this thing, and I see this when I sleep at night, like literally this is something that's very important and it's a foundation for a lot of uh, pretty much most of uh, your walk with God. So we have our body, which is our physical body, our senses, right? Our sight, our hearing, our taste, our touch. What's the feel, feelers, our hands, right? Um, that's These are how we perceive the world around us, right? So you see things, you hear things, right? Then we have our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, sometimes called our conscience, also maybe our personality. Um, but that's kind of where the thinking happens, right? Are y'all with me? Are y'all tracking? Okay, and then we have our spirit. Uh, when you're born again, that is where that's where you become born again in your spirit right that's god's spirit in us okay so when you're born again your physical body doesn't change right i was ugly before i'm still ugly after being born again our soul your thinking right that doesn't change it may change for a little bit because you're excited for the lord or whatever but whatever situation if you're dealing with depression uh anxiety those things still creep back God doesn't change your mind like that. What he does is he changes your spirit, and he gives you the opportunity to lean on the word of God. Now, here it says, it, the, the, what does the scripture say? It's piercing even to the division of what? Our spirit and our soul. So that's where the word of God sits. And we could say that Jesus sits there, right? So we have our, uh, I'm trying to be quick with this, so y'all keep up. But basically, we have the, Jesus is the doorway between our spirit and our soul. All right, think about that for a second. That's why the Bible says take every thought captive. If our thoughts happen in our soul and we take them captive, you have, you know, the power of positive thinking and manifesting and things like that. You've heard of those concepts, right? They're worldly. What they do is they take the thought captive, but there's no word of God there. So it doesn't, it doesn't work. It, it doesn't sustain anything. But if you have the word of God, which is Jesus, so basically if you invite Jesus into your life, he opens that door between your spirit and your soul. So you can build resistance, but that all that is is you submitting to the word. The resistance it comes by default. So listen, we have these thoughts that are running around in our head, like I'm 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 angry or I'm sad or I'm what. All of a sudden, you've invited Jesus in with that doorway that's open. He says, "No, you're not." Remember what? Remember what I told? What does Holy Spirit say? It brings everything to your remembrance that Jesus said. So literally, we have we have this thing working in us. That is almost effortless. Why? Because all you have to do is spend time with this. You build a relationship with God more so than you don't. I know that's a weird thing to say, but it will it will do the work for you. Really, it will. But the, the work that you have to put in is spending time with him, right? And you can't do it. You can't do it when you're, de- when you're dealing with crisis. You can, and, and there's mercy for that. But here's the thing. It's like saying... Uh, uh, you, you know, you go throughout your week, right? You come to church Wednesdays and Sundays, but that's about it. You spend about four hours around the word that leaves what 112 hours of your waking week, not in the word, not doing anything, right? This should be a product of what you're doing at home. Church should be, you're supposed to bring your portion. I, I know not a lot of people want to hear that, but that's the truth. You bring your portion here. This is, this is where you get to exercise what you've already been doing in your closet alone with Jesus. So, 
uh, yeah, you, you're, you're going through, you, you spend all that time away from the word, right? And then all of a sudden you got about four hours a week that you spend at church, right? In the word. And all of a sudden a trial comes along, a tribulation, an issue, uh, something, right? And now you're, you're trying to get to know Jesus in this limited time when all of these things are attacking you. And you're saying, Jesus, can you help me? Can you help me? And the problem is you don't even know what he sounds like because you haven't spent any time with him. It's, it's, it's hard enough figuring out who he is right? On your own <laughs> when you're living right for God. But what happens when you're in crisis? You have all these external factors that come in that, 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 that try and distract. What's the deceiver? That's his name. Another name from I call him the distractor because all he can do is distort the word. He can only say, here's what the word is. Uh, but are you sure? He did it to Adam and Eve. He's been doing that. He has no, there's no new model for that. But the problem is if you don't have the word in you, you don't know what he's distorting. You're just going to listen. So, that being said, do we understand spirit, soul, and body? All right. So I want to talk about uh, where it says here, same scripture. It says, uh, division of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Can we say that Jesus, the word of God, right from the top of that, on verse 12, it says, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. Can we say that Jesus is concerned about our heart? Absolutely. He is the word of God, right? He's concerned with our heart. Now, how many times do we see in scripture where, where uh, people are talking to Jesus or they say something and he, he replies with something completely out of left field? You're like, does that even have anything to do with what they're talking about? Or how many times we've seen in scripture where Jesus performed these miracles and, and signs and wonders and he saw their hearts and they were like, you got to be king. You're, you're the guy. You're the guy we've been waiting for. You're it. And he had to leave because he knew that they were relying on the miracles and not revelation of who he really was. So he's looking at their hearts. He does it time and time again in scripture in the same way that you're like, when he comes out of left field, you're thinking to yourself like, how does this Praise God, we have revelation, right? We have the Holy Spirit in us to discern that stuff. But the reason he does that is because he's not looking at their words. He's looking at their hearts when they speak those words. So if he's concerned with our hearts, we should be too. And um, a few scriptures on, on, uh, on the heart. If you could put that uh, graphic back up. I'm going to leave that up there because I know you guys are going to write it down and draw it and do all that. So... Uh, it's in 1 Samuel 16, uh, just some backstory. We have Samuel, prophet of God, right? He's already uh, screwed up with Saul. Saul's at a really, King Saul, it was a, just kept messing up. Finally, God says, look, Samuel, just stop crying. Let's, let's go anoint someone else. We got to get someone new. Saul's just a colossal mess up, right? So he says, I want you to go to this guy's house. He's got some sons. And back in the day, what they would do is they would hold an urn full of oil, right? And it'd be capped, right? And they would hold it over someone's head. And they, what they would do is if God says that's the one, the cap will supernaturally break, oil falls on them, right? And they get anointed king, right? So he says, Samuel, I need you to go do this, prophet. And I need you to go do this, go to this guy's house. So he goes to this house. And you guys know the story of David, right? This is how he gets anointed. So he goes through the uh, he goes to the house and he's like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna. He, he goes through the process. The first one that comes up is Eliab, who is the. He, he looks at him and 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 Samuel literally says this out loud. He says, "Whoa, surely this is the guy. This is it. 
this is the dude, right? What's he looking at? His physical stature, right? He's probably comparing him to Saul. Saul was supposedly be supposedly a towering man, a, a strong dude, like a big, right? So he sees Eliab and he says, whoa, that's the guy. No, that's the guy. It has to be. Look at look at his stature. He's got great hair, great beard. He's, I mean, kind of look like me. Anyway, so, <laughs> so he, uh, he says that, but then God corrects him. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance or his physical stature because I've refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Got it? So he's looking at the heart. So that so clearly we see what from a spirit, soul, and body standpoint, God does not look at our physical stature, our body. He doesn't. So, but we do have a heart that is pumping, right? Blood into our body, things like that. So we can say, okay, he is concerned with our heart, but it's not from a physical standpoint. Okay? So uh, the next scripture is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. This is a a familiar portion of scripture, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, right? And lean not onto your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not onto your own understanding. Where does understanding happen? Our soul, right? Our mind. That's where we understand and comprehend things. How many know that can get in the way when you're dealing with faith? Because you're telling yourself, okay, God, you promised me this. I think, boom, you should stop right there, but that's not how it works. I think it's going to happen this way. I'm going to meet this person. They're going to hand me this cash. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. We try and conceptualize that, but God's word clearly says, stop thinking about it. Trust me with your heart, right? So we can see from a soul standpoint, your soul can get in the way of where your heart is. All right? Makes sense? Last scripture, it says uh, in Matthew 6, 19, uh, well, we'll just, yeah, 6, 19 through 21, um, I'll paraphrase, but here Jesus is talking about uh, possessions and things like that. And he says, for where your heart, for, excuse me, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? So he's saying, whatever you treasure, your heart's going to follow that, Okay. So, and he's talking about material things. So idolatry, uh, that could be covetousness when you want something that someone else has or something that someone else has when you, uh, in a bad way, right? If you want things that aren't of God, your heart follows that. That happens, right? So the question here is, is where is your heart in all this? It could sometimes be tricked, right, into your soul, into your thinking, because if you treasure the plan that you're making for the will that God, for something that God has promised you, we talked earlier about, uh, you know, he's going to do it this way, that, this, you're starting to treasure that. You're basically trying, starting to obsess over that. Your heart follows that and you get let down. Why? Because if, if, if you knew how, to, how it would work, you wouldn't need faith. God wouldn't, there's no, there's no need for God. So th- then we also say, well, from a spiritual standpoint, your heart can go towards God, towards his word. You can really be excited about him. Your heart's going to follow that as well. What does any of this have to do with resistance? Well, let's go to James 4, uh, verse 6. Normally, I would take a couple sessions to teach this, so... Like I said, you guys are smart, so keep up. Okay, you guys there? It says here, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. A lot to unpack here, so um, let's get started. So it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So there's a dichotomy, there's a difference. There's a, there's, you can be prideful or you can be humble. Um, how many know we're not supposed to be prideful? Amen, right? Pretty, that's, you guys get an A. That was a pretty, that was a freebie. Pride, though, is, it's, there's two ends of the pride stick. I talk about this a lot, but there's the conventional pride that we always hear about that is boastful, arrogant, loud, you know, uh, all about me, that type of thing. They run the room, you know, they're, um, and then you have that, well, and pride is literally anything that points away from God to yourself, period. Anything that takes your focus off of him to yourself is pride. Um, the other end of pride is, and it's just as egotistical, it's just as proud, uh, is, is actually shyness. People don't like hearing that, but that's the truth. There are some, and I used to be one of them actually, standing up here and speaking, yeah, it's wild to think about. This would horrify me uh, maybe 10 years ago. And, and that's how I show humility by coming up here, knowing that I this is not my gifting. This is not something that I'm excited. To, well, I am now, but it, it used to make me really nervous. So shyness is the same thing. You're looking at yourself and not looking outward or at God. You're basically saying, "Man, I, I really hope. I wonder what they think of me. I hope they don't. I hope. I hope I don't say anything stupid. I hope. I, you're, it's the same focus. It's just expressed differently. The same thing with uh, with with being." Um, boisterous and loud, right? You're trying to control the room and manipulate the way people think about you. Well, it's the same thing with shyness. So I say that because pride attacks everybody. <laughs> it's a problem that persists. That's been that way since, the, since Adam and Eve, since the fall of man. So we have, have pride. What are some of the areas that pride gets us? The first one is offense. That's the most prominent one. Offense, let me tell you guys, offense will hold you back from everything that God has for you. Period. Period. So offense, it, it, it's, it's so interesting. So you can give it or you can take it, but did you know you could just leave it there? You can leave it right there. It's funny, man. I, but when Kayla and I first came to the church five years ago, the first lesson, one of the biggest things we learned, well, the first two were offense in your words. Uh, get rid of offense, watch your words. That's plain and simple, but we did a lot of study on that. And it was like me and her were the faith police at our house for like six months. Oh, you shouldn't say that. Hey, don't say that, you know, correcting each other, right? And you can't get dogmatic about it, right? We did to a certain extent. It was causing offense, so it was twofold. So, but we, you know, thank God, you know, we worked it through. So, but when you talk about offense, the reason it holds you back is because it's just offense is just pride's ugly cousin. That's all it is. Offense is literally you saying, well, look at what they did to me in any sense of it. I don't care what you say. I've heard so many people and I am a very nice and loving person when you're talking to me, but I'll pray for you. I'll pray hard for you when I leave that conversation. Because when I hear offense, it's the most annoying thing to me. Do you know why? Because you're slapping Jesus in the face. You're literally saying, man, I, I, look at what they did to me, Jesus. Look, and Jesus is sitting there like, look at what I did for you. Well, think about that. 2,000 years ago, I delivered you from offense. You just choose not to receive that. It's, I mean, seriously, it's, it's the most, that's why it annoys me. Because I prayed a long time ago when I found out about the heart and the things that we're talking about today. I said, God, don't let me hear words. Let me see the heart. Let me see the heart. 
Because people will say all sorts of stuff, my wife included. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But literally, it, it's, and it's always a piece of people, let's be real, it's always the people closest to us. Our friends, our family, our church family, there are things people have been holding in their hearts as far as offense that they haven't let go. Well, I forgive them, but I don't forget. Then you didn't forgive them. Period. You didn't forgive them. So I say that because offense will lead to pride. The other thing is, uh, another thing could be unanswered prayer. Um, You start to doubt God. You say, well, this happened, and yeah, I'm over it, but... You know, or, you know, uh, and, and those things will actually create barriers that anytime you try to seek God, he'll just take you back to that. And if you keep avoiding it, he'll just keep taking you back and you'll live in this cycle until you die. <laughs> and there's no progression in the kingdom, period. There's no there's no growth. You stay spiritual. I don't know. Teenager <laughs> the rest of your life. It's yeah. I mean, this this stuff's real. But I, I say that because these are things that Kayla and I actively. I say Kayla, but she's like literally my only friend. So, this these are things that my wife and I and our family worked out at the beginning. And when we deal with people or when we talk to people, we 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 look for those things. We say, okay, well, here's the offense. Well, and some people don't want to hear that. Some people don't want to work through it. So, pride. Uh, and let, let's move on to to humility. Humility is the exact opposite of that. Humility is just saying, God, I'm going to put you first. I know this person said something to me and it really offended me and it bothered me, but what do you say? And he says, forgive them. You'd be surprised at how many times when God shows you their heart, he can actually show you where the offense was, who it was, what happened with this person. And you can begin to pray for them like we're supposed to do. You can say, Lord, I don't know what made them talk to me that way, but clearly there's something wrong. How can I bless this person? You see how it's a complete posture shift with humility? And not only that, you learn, you, be, you build up a resistance and a resilience, but you also bless someone else in witness in the process. It's, it's a life thing. You, you, you get to do God with people. It's pretty awesome. But humility uh, puts God first. And um, yeah, so let's move on. So then it says, right after this, so we're talking about resistance, right? What does this have to do with resistance in your life? It says, God resists the proud. So if you're thinking about yourself and you're pointed towards yourself, right? God's going to resist that. Why? Uh, because he, he loves you. And he's saying, put me first. If you're not going to do that, I'm not going to force you. I love you. Do your thing until you've reached that point where you realize it's me, Amen. right? And then it says, uh, Resist the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So just put me first. That's all he's saying. But then it says, therefore, right? One minister says, when you see the word therefore, you got to see what it's there for. <laughs> Pretty cool. Uh, but therefore, submit to God. So can we say, he's saying, look, I don't want you to be proud. I want you to be humble. Therefore, in order to be humble, just submit to me. That's all, it's, that's all he's saying. Submit to me. Then it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I wrote this down. This is good. It says, you cannot resist the devil until you submit to God. This means that your resistance must come from a a heart that is connected to God's spirit in you, right? It would have to be, right? Because that's where God is, the spirit in you, instead of a heart that's connected to your soul, to your thoughts. Does that make sense? So we talk about our heart going one of two directions. And if and if you're if you're blinded by offense in your soul, you're rolling this thing around, and there's no word of God to check that. So when we say read your Bible, pray, come to church, serve, do all these things, it's not to be legalistic. It's to help you develop your relationship with Jesus, to get as close to Him as possible, where you see offense through His eyes and not your own. 
and you see it and you say, whoa, that was out of left field. It got to the point where I was laughing when people offend me because I thought it was funny. I was like, man, that was really mean. And they're like, they're trying to like, you know, step and, and, and be all aggressive. And I'm laughing. But God gives me joy in those moments because I could be a blessing to them somehow. So I say that, but um, uh, yeah, if we continue, so we talked about how your heart needs to be in your spirit, right? Connected with God. And the only way you can do that is what? According to our beautiful chart here, the word of God, spending time with Jesus, right? So uh, if we keep reading, it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What's he talking about there? What's God talking about? Double-minded. You can't have your heart and your soul and your spirit at the same time. That's being double-minded. That's all it is. You're trying, to, you're trying to have the mind of Christ with the mind of man. It doesn't work. You're, the, mind of, the carnal mind is an enemy to God. So if you're, you're thinking about it, you're like God and you're rationalizing and doing whatever, and then all of a sudden you jump on some scripture, it's not going to mesh. He's saying you, you, you can't do both. You got to pick one. And I think that is where a lot of people mess up when it comes to resistance, me included. But it says here, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. How many of you guys are dealing with some type of whatever uh, where it's requiring some resistance? Should be everybody. We're living in a time where like people are just out to get us, man, including the enemy. And he uses people that way too, people that submit to him. As you're dealing with that, um, you got to be real careful about uh, your speech. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Sorry. Let's go to Matthew 12, 33. A lot of scripture. Hopefully you brought your Bibles. Matthew 12, verse 33. This is Jesus talking. Um, he's a little upset, um, but it starts with either make a tree good and its fruit good or else make a tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit brood of vipers that's not a nice thing to say by the way um how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks a good man out of the good treasure of his heart we talked about treasure right what you treasure there your heart's going to go as well bring forth good things and an evil man out of evil treasures brings forth evil things. So listen, clearly it says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that really, it's not saying, Hey, when you're, when you speak, your heart's in a good place. So everything you say, because you're born again is going to be awesome and sweet and nice and love. No, that's not what that's talking about. It's saying whatever's in your heart, is going to come out of your mouth. That's why you got to be careful what you say, right? Especially if you're complaining, especially if you're gossiping, that's a huge one, man. That stuff makes me frustrated. But especially if you're like, oh, man, no, no, no. And I always ask, but I always ask, do I need to know this? Is this something that you want to tell me that, that, that'll bless somebody? And, and, and in my circles, I, I lost a lot of friends that way, being real. Because they wanted me to partner in <laughs> on that garbage. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't care if you go to the same church as me or not. I don't care. Let's be real. Because that stuff will take you down a ditch. It will. Especially, man, especially if you hear it and don't say anything. Do you understand that the Bible says that if you see someone sin and you don't say anything or do anything, you partner with it? That your, your blood's on your hands? Now, you don't have to be like, hey, shut up, go away. Like, you don't have to fight them or anything. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to say something. Or you got to say, look, man, I understand that's what you're saying. But, hey, in this conversation, I really don't want to talk about that. And let me set the precedent for the rest. I don't want to talk about anything unless it's life. You'd be surprised, man. 
at, at, at the uh, the level of friendship you think you have versus where it's really at. Um, so it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, that's big because if you're submitted to God and your heart is uh, in line in your spirit, right? Um, the things that you speak will be life and life giving. That's the only way you can resist the devil. The devil's going to throw things at you and you're going to find... Oh, this isn't going to be good. Okay, you're going to find that um, if you are double-minded, right? Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, right? If you're over here gossiping and talking about someone, or if you're over here talking doubt and unbelief, if you're over here, right, and all of a sudden a trial comes along, and then you walk over here, and you're like, Jesus, um, and your knee starts hurting, whatever, I'm healed in Jesus' name. What is your heart going to think? Your heart's confused, Wait a minute, just a second ago, you were dogging somebody. And now you're trying to use God's word? Look, God has mercy for you and grace. He will, he, he will send you on that track. But you, it'll be a lot quicker <laughs> if you just shut your mouth in these areas. I don't know, it's not easy for your heart to stay with your spirit. Believe me, I would know. But it is easy to keep your mouth shut. It is, it is easy to, to really be mindful of the stuff you're letting into your body. You're, what you're seeing, what you're watching. We watched a movie the other day, the most demonic movie I've ever seen. It was the craziest thing. It was, I don't want to say, because whatever. But uh, it was that, never mind. It was that Doctor Strange movie, man. That movie was nuts. Oh, my gosh. I watched 10 minutes. I was like, babe, we got to cut this off. It was crazy, man. But really, that's, that's stuff our kids are watching. That's stuff other kids are watching. That's stuff people are watching without a gauge, without even knowing where their heart is, without any revelation of that. Crazy. Crazy stuff, man. But uh, if you're trying to use the same words to speak death and life, it's not going to work. You're double-minded. Now, there's grace and mercy for that. Just correct it. Just fix it. And find people around you that hold you accountable, period. I mean, they, for, for me, it's, it's – I wrote this here. This is good. It says, uh, selective humility will render selective resistance. Sit on that for a second. If you decide when you want to read your Bible and if you have time or you want to go to church when, it, you know, when, when pastors are there and not Josh, you know, uh, kidding, kidding. But if, you, if, if, if you're selective about when you want to serve God through, through whatever it is, you don't have to be a ministry to serve God. You serve him at your job. You serve him at your, with your family. That's serving God, right? If you decide when you want to do that and, and if it's convenient, I mean, it, don't be surprised if your resistance runs the same way. It's just in direct correlation to that. Um, if you're speaking God's word from your heart to help you develop resistance in bad areas of your life and you're not seeing results, it's because you're not truly submitted to God in your heart, period. I keep saying that, but really, that's the truth. If, you, if you're dealing with something now that you've dealt with for the past year, for the past six months, for the past week, and you're not seeing results, where's your heart at, man? Where's your submission? Where's your humility? The other side of that too is, oh man, okay. The other side of that too is, let's say you are coming to church. Let's say you are reading your Bible. Let's say you are praying in the spirit. Let's say you are serving here. Where's your heart then? You can do all of those things. Check every box on the list and still not see results because God's looking at your heart. Yeah, I serve the kids and man, I just, it's just so tough. They're unorganized or they don't know what they're doing. This person over here, oh man, prayer is never this. Where's your heart? You can come all day to church. You can come when there isn't church. God's looking at your heart, man. It's really, 
Or same thing in prayer. There have been times where I get lost in my soul. I'll pray for hours. And half of that is me trying to get out of my soul into the spirit. Used to be, I would pray, man, it was like close to five hours a day. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that's how much work it took me to get that other junk out of me. I can do now in an hour what what took me five. But that's because I had to actively work and be humble and serve God. It's not easy. We live in a world where everything is against you, literally everything. So there's that. (laughs) God hears the words you speak, but he can only act on what is spoken from the heart, um, a heart that is submitted to him in the spirit. He looks at your heart to see where your words are coming from. Check your words and they'll tell you where your heart is at. Check your words around you, and it'll tell you where your heart's going to end up if you're not careful. That has to do with friends. That has to do with family. That has to do with influences. That has to do with television, music, all of that stuff. So I'll close with this. Um, it's a personal testimony of, of resistance and working that in my life and, and actively doing these things that we've talked about. Uh, I'm probably going to cry. Heads up. Um, May 23rd, 2021. It was a Sunday. Uh, great time at church. Kaylee was at work. And uh, I, we get home. Elijah's asleep around 12 o'clock. And I get a call. And she's Kayla's just crying on the phone. Um, she's like, uh, it happened. I said, what happened? She said, I lost the baby. She was at work. And, uh, see, that's, that's why I hate the devil. He doesn't care. <laughs> uh, I lost the baby and I said, okay, uh, how are you doing? Are you, do you want to come home? She, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm good. Uh, we prayed, we sought the Lord. Um, I'm, I'm staying. And I said, okay, uh, just let me know. Right. And immediately I hang up the phone and I, I run into prayer. Now, what you don't know is this is something that we were dealing with weeks beforehand, uh, months even, uh, we had been to the doctor a few times. They couldn't find a heartbeat. We were believing God, right? And uh, it got to the point where the week before, um, they said, there's no heartbeat. It's, this is, it's terminated. Um, and then the following Sunday, that's when, you know, baby left. And on the surface, it seems difficult, right? And rough and, 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 and hard. But I told myself in that moment, I would never glorify the devil in that, in that instance. I glorify God. She's up in heaven. We were believing God for a girl. She's up in heaven, period. I don't care what you say. I only care what he says. She's up in heaven and she's enjoying it. It's a lot better than down here. And I can't wait for y'all to meet her up there. But here's the deal. I didn't have that resistance overnight. I, di- I didn't. I didn't hang up the phone and say, God, give me resistance. Help me get through this. And this because I don't seek him after during crisis. I seek him when there is no crisis. I seek him because it's what I want to do. I, I spend time with him every day. Here's, here's the deal. The weeks before that, we were in prayer. We saw this thing coming. And I said, Lord, I, I need a word from you. We both do. We don't care how this ends up. We don't care if, if you know, whatever the result is, we're glorifying you, period. We're glorifying you. We need a word. And he gave us Matthew 9, 12. For where you're, tre- for where, for where you're excuse me. For what you treasure, there your heart will be also. And at the time when we got that, I was like, what does this mean? I didn't know anything about I was like, what are you talking about, Lord? Give me a better word, like she's going to live or something like, right? Give me something that I can work with. I'm being real. I was so confused by that. But what did I do? I sought him. 
This is before we had lost baby. I sought him and I said, okay, Lord, you gave me a word. This doesn't make sense, but I want to talk to you about it. And I talked to him about it every day, every day. So when I got that call, I was in a position, my heart was in the right position to where when I heard what happened through my body and my soul tried to torment me, when the enemy tried to partner with that, I glorified God. I said, oh, my heart's in the right place. This doesn't bother me. This doesn't affect me. Period. I mean, that, it was to the point where I was, I, was, I was comforting people around me through this situation. My family, both of our families, you guys, they were sobbing. All the, I remember telling them, it's going to be okay. Imagine that. And what a witness, because I glorified God. I said, look, God's, she's up in heaven. Hey, I'm good. You should be also. So, and there are also some things that God helped us learn. Now, did I think that God wanted us to go through that? Absolutely not. Period. Absolutely not. But I did realize that there were some things we had to work out in our lives. He, I, instead of saying, God, why? I said, God, what do you want me to do? How can I change? What? So second, a uh, few months later, she's, Kayla's pregnant with Ellie. Do you think a little fear would come up? A little bit? Just a little about what's going to happen. This is three months after. Uh, a little fear, right? A little doubt, a little unbelief. We didn't partner with that. We kept our heart and our spirit. We prayed. We did some things differently. We, every stage of the pregnancy, right? We prayed over the development. We looked it up. She should have eyes now. There's that. Well, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, but we would pray those things out. We took it more seriously because look, God will take you from faith to faith, glory to glory. The same demands that he put on you down here as a child, as a spiritual child, it's going to be more than that as a teenager. It's going to be more than that as an adolescent, as an adult, right? So you should expect persecution, you should expect trial and tribulation, not in the defeatist way, but in knowing that, God, this is going to make me strong. I'm excited. How much more can I keep my heart in the spirit, right? So throughout that whole thing, we prayed, we believed God. We had a water birth, which was unbelievably nuts, by the way. It was just crazy in a good way, but woo! it was wild, man. Anyways, Kayla spends, uh, what is it? It was Saturday evening. And then we were, what, 10 hours? You were 10 hours in labor. I was just there. Uh, but I was helping. Um, but we spent all that time, right? Uh, and then, you know, she had the baby. Everything was perfect, by the way. No medication, no issues, no pain, no nothing. Yeah, we believe God for all that. We expected those things. But here's what's cool about all of that. May the 23rd, 2022, 12 o'clock to the, to the minute, God gave us our daughter. Exactly a year after that. That's a coincidence. You live in your world, I live in mine. But when we thought about that, I realized, I was like, man, <laughs> all it took was me submitting to him. All it took was me putting, keeping my focus on him, being humble to him, Right? Amen? Amen? Cool. I think that's pretty much all I have. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.